0: out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. I'm going to be down around verse 12 and 13. I want to talk about something that's very interesting to me. It's a statement that's looked over a lot in the Scripture, but it's something that's so important that it's probably one of the key things of Christianity when it comes to your relationship with God and how, how good that relationship is. And how listen, how successful your relationship is with God. When you pray, you want your who in here wants their prayers answered when they pray. Okay? Right? We all do, right? This is going to be a key for you to make that happen. You're going to understand what God expects out of you when you begin to pray and how he expe- expects you to live your life, okay? To make all that happen. All right? Listen to this in chapter 4 of Hebrews. Verse 12, it says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit's joint and marrow. Listen to this. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It knows the very intent. Read that in the King James, Rich. I like it better. For the Word of God is quick and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of marrow. and It is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Intents of the heart. Okay? Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Or in other words, everything is naked before Him. So we're going to talk about the secret you and the intent of your heart. We're going to talk about what that means. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus and we ask your blessings on the word that you would give us wisdom in it, that you'd help us to understand it and that we would see it for how it is, that your love and joy and temperance, Lord God, would be amongst us, that your powerful face and presence and spirit would be here as well to teach us the word. And God, we ask your blessings in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that I was even talking to a pastor friend of mine last night, and we were talking about the upcoming services down in Kentucky and what I was going to be doing here, Um, it's the matters of the heart. It's the matters of the heart that's got our country in the condition that it's in. It's the matter of the heart that has you where you're at right now, good or bad. Listen, that's not a condemning statement. It's your heart that puts you where you're at. You follow the desires of your heart. However, we're told that the heart is deceitful among all things who can know it. We oftentimes begin to justify things within our hearts so that we can participate in things that our fleshly heart and sinful desires wants to participate in. And so we justify it to ourselves and make it okay when it's not. Okay? Now, understand... Breaking all that down God sees you everybody say God sees me one two three God sees me. yes he sees you individually he sees you and me for who we are and what we are really in our heart now that I know for a lot of people and I'm not saying in this church I'm just saying in general for a lot of people that is completely different in who they portray themselves to be in life, amongst their workmates, even sometimes amongst their family, and amongst their friends. I'm talking about the you that has a good friend, and when they turn their back on you, you're talking dirt on them. The real you emerges. And all of a sudden to try to devalue their reputation to make you on the same level with them. You think you have to break them down. And so now they become a target of your gossip and a target of things that you have bad to say about them. That's the real you. See what I mean? God sees that you. You. He sees the secret you. That's what it means when it says all things are naked and open before the Lord. You stand absolutely with absolutely nowhere to hide. None. And so when we get down to the intent of the heart, where it talks about that God is a discerner of the very intent of your heart, what does that mean? That means when you're praying, this is extremely important for you. This is why people pray and don't get saved. This is why people pray and don't get healed. This is why people pray and don't get delivered from bad things that they're involved in. Witchcraft, drinking, drugs, sexually illicit behavior, all that stuff. It's the reason why when they pray, nothing happens. It's because God knows the intent or motive behind why you're praying. He knows you don't really mean it. And until you understand that, that He knows the intent of your heart, you're sitting down there praying, oh God, I want to stop doing this, whatever it is, and you know in your heart you can't wait to get up from that altar and go do it again. God knows that. And that's why you don't get an answer from heaven. Because He knows the intent of your heart. Oh God, please forgive me of all my sins. I want to be saved. I want You to come into my heart and save me. Listen, those are not magic words. It is not. Lord of the Rings. And i zap you with being born again. God knows if you really mean it if you're really sad in your heart about the condition of your own heart and you really, really want to change. God knows that. And when that aligns with your prayers, O-M-G, as they say. When your intent of your heart aligns up with what you're praying, heaven's going to open its doors and a blessing's going to come on you like you've never known So when you get down on your knees and pray, you make sure that your heart's right in what you're saying and that you mean what you're saying because you're talking to the God that sees you. Can I get an amen? Man, that's some good preaching, Pastor Jay. Thank you all. Thank you. Man, I didn't even do a ha on that. Can I do it? Would it be more important? If I said it like that, ha! If God sees you with me. Ha, 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 ha. Maybe it'd be better if I did like people go, oh man, that's a hot sermon today. <laughs> Come on, give me, a, give me a ha one time. Just one time, Shells. Yeah, that's it. See, you got it. We're have Shelly preach next Sunday. Listen, Understand. He's a discerner of your thoughts. Your thoughts. How secret and how hidden are thoughts. How secret and hidden are thoughts. God knows your thoughts. You know what thoughts produce? Thoughts produce a true, sincere intent of your heart. When you were coming to church today, God knew if you wanted to come or not. God said, Are they really coming for me? God knows. And then when you begin to pray something that is totally contradictive of your thoughts, God's going, Who are you trying to play, man? Who are you playing? I know you smell Golden Corral right now and you can't wait for Pastor Jay to be quiet. Listen, I love that place. I love that place, man. Even when them kids come up there who's got a runny nose, stick their hand right in the mashed potatoes, I'll get right in it. I don't care. i seen this one kid up there. There was the perfect piece of fried chicken. I said, give me that. COVID or not, son, I'm praying on it. God's going to clean it up. God knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what's going on within your heart. What is your intent? Are you intent on going to heaven? When you pray, are you being sincere with everything that you are and in your heart? When you ask Christ to be your Savior, do you really want Him to be? Are you ready to pick up the cross and follow after Him? I can can give you an illustration of this in the Scripture. It's a physical illustration of the intent of the heart. There was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus one day and he thought his status and his place in life would impress Jesus and Jesus would employ him. So he come to the Lord one day, and he said, "Hey, I'm gonna follow you. Here I am, dude. I'm the all star." Jesus, who knew his thoughts and knew the intent of his heart, said, "Go and sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And you'll have riches in him." Uh, chill, man. How, what do you mean? Well, hey, can, can I, can I, hey, can I go and, and just bury my father first? One said. No. Let the dead bury the dead. We got business to take care of. That's how important Jesus sees the gospel. No, don't go to your father's funeral. Don't go to your family's funeral. You ain't got time for that. You need to come and work for me. Those that are dead are dead. Now we need to go and find some and give people some life. God knew the very intent of these folks' heart. And he sent them on their way. Because they didn't mean what they were saying. didn't mean what they were saying when he was sitting inside of the home of the Pharisee that invited Jesus over for dinner they were all sitting there after Mary Magdalene come in Mary Magdalene who this is a perfect display of the intent of the heart on both perspectives contrasted together Mary Magdalene who was a whore right we all assume that it was her comes in and Starts crying, Makes her way into the Pharisees' home, which was not done. You do not do that. Because that was a serious offense to the law. An unclean woman coming into the presence of priests and Pharisees and Sadducees and such was against the law. They were considered to be uh, ceremoniously unclean at that moment if she was to have touched one of them. You couldn't touch a dead body. You couldn't touch a leper. You couldn't touch anybody or you would be ceremoniously unclean. You had to stop what you were doing. Go take off all your clothes and take a ceremonious bath in order to get yourself clean again. That's how it worked in the days of Jesus. If I touched somebody who was a sinner, I'd be unclean. So for this woman to make her way into this person's house was an absolute... You've got to understand, if you know the customs and mannerisms of the day, you would understand how outrageous this is that this happened. She was taking her life in her own hands. She could have been stoned. But she was so miserable with herself. She was so tired in her heart. Her her motives her intent was so pure and so holy she was tired of being what she was she was tired of committing the sin that she was committing she was tired of it she wanted released from it and she knew the only she knew the only way to make that happen is to get to Jesus and you know i come to visit Jesus today and where is he at he's in a house where i can't go well guess what i'm going to break the rules and i'm going to go to Jesus hello covid And she went in there, and let me tell you, she was bawling, she was crying, and everybody looked, and and they were watching this woman, and this woman was just at Jesus' feet, begging for mercy, begging for grace to be forgiven of something that's just the unforgivable in her day and in her society. For if you were caught in the act of adultery, if you were were a prostitute, you were handed a death sentence. You were taken outside the walls of Jerusalem and they killed you with stones. Seriously, I'm not joking. This is how miserable she was with her own self. That she was willing to risk it all to get to the Lord. Because she wanted change in her life. Her intent of her heart lined up with what she was praying and my God, God saved her. He put His hand on her and said, Woman, your sins, and let me tell you, there's many, have been forgiven. Oh, let me tell you, the sweet release, the thankfulness From a heart that was crushed. I've been there. I know what that feels like. When mercy is given to you. And grace is given to you. When you know you deserve death. And even worse. Oh that woman's tears of sadness. Turned into tears of joy. As God lifted that sinful burden from her heart. And set her free in the spirit. And he said go and sin no more. And boy. She was saved. Her life was changed. She didn't do that stuff no more. She was set free and out of prison. And God had made her whole again. The intent of her heart lined up with her prayer. And man, God moved. God will move for you when you do the same. But then on the other hand, contrasted against those spiritual numbskulls that were sitting around the table, them spiritual fat cats who thought that God owed them something, and that they were holier than you, they thought within themselves. Listen, the scripture says, they thought within themselves. If he knew who this woman was, he wouldn't let her. And he says, why do your thoughts, why do you think such things? Oh, He knew their thoughts. Them Pharisees, them hypocrites, them liars, they were sitting there, they didn't say anything, but they were thinking it. And Jesus looked at them and said, you know what? Why are you thinking that? Now you think that guy was going to receive anything of the Lord? He said, since I walked in your house, hypocrite, you never gave me a holy kiss. Because back in that day, the culture was when someone came to visit you, you did some things. There was some customary things that was according to the law and according to the traditions that was being kept, that you, gave, you greeted each other with a holy kiss. Then you took and you anointed the head with oil. Jesus said, you didn't greet me with a holy kiss when I walked in your door, but ever since I got here, this woman has not stopped kissing my feet. He goes, you never anointed my head with oil when I came in here. He goes, but her tears have acted in the same. You hypocrite. You say you know me, but you don't know me. Your heart's not right. Yeah, I've been there too. I've been on both sides of this equation. I've been the pharisaical hypocrite that thought I was better than everybody, especially when I first got saved. Man, I had all these convictions, you know. Which convictions are a good thing. I wouldn't go anywhere where there was alcohol being served. That's the first place I want to go right now because I want to pray in front of these people. Right? I put myself in this little holy box and I was so holy I wasn't even good for anybody. Not even myself. I prayed in my self-righteousness one day. This is my prayer. This is what happened to me. I said, God, I'm so awesome. Lord, I want to be a fisher of men. Just open up the door. The Lord replied to me in my ear and I heard His voice and said, you don't even know where the pond's at. You're talking about a hit right in the face. Changed my life. I needed that. Thank you, Lord, for swatting me on the face. So I've been on both sides of this. I've received grace and I've been a hypocrite. And I'll bet you so have you. If you were honest. So what's wrong with being honest? What's wrong with being honest with God about who you are? You think that he doesn't know already? You think that he doesn't know what you did, whatever it might be? Do you really think that that you hit? Ooh, I duped God on that. I didn't feel nothing. There wasn't no lightning strike, right? I didn't get I didn't go outside. My car tire was flat. God didn't give me a sign that He was angry with me. Guess what? I think I'll do that again. Ooh, the second time comes around. It was a little bit easier than the first. Yeah, I've been there, done that. So, which one are you? Is there a secret you? Or in contrast, is your heart not lined up? Because you're hypocritical. Typically we're one or the other. Jeremiah 17.9, I, re- I already quoted this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? In Genesis 6 and 5, another point to the intent of the heart and the sincerity of a person. When God was getting ready to destroy the world, much like the times that we're living in, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every, listen, intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Let me say that again. In Genesis chapter 6, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. Listen, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was continually evil. Genesis 6 and 5. In other words, the Lord saw no receptor for his grace. There was no one that he could bless because everybody's intent of their heart was evil. What am I going to do with these people? I can't bless them. Then there was one that was found. Who was it, church? Who was it that God found? Starts with a Noah and ends with a uh. Noah. Somebody help me out here. Noah, yes. Good job, church. Good job. God saw one. Noah. Look at the difference in him. The Bible says in 6.22 that Noah did everything God asked of him. That's what made Noah different than the rest of the whole world. He just did what God said. 1 Samuel 16 and 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at at his appearance or at the height of his stature, talking about David when he was being selected as king. Because I have rejected Him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks upon the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. That's how God knows you, is by the condition of your heart. Psalm 26.2 says, Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart. Matthew 15 and 19 says, For out of the heart... If you want to know the real you, listen to this. Out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. If you ever have evil thoughts, that's because of your heart. It's coming from your heart. It's coming from your soul. Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemies. All comes from the heart. You might not say amen. You might say, oh, me. Right? I know I do. Got to be honest. And the, the person you have to be honest with the most, the two people that you have to be honest with the most is first God and you.